HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexis Santos. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Hannah Dryling, who is the co-founder of Holy Grail Donuts. Holy Grail Donuts is the cult favorite and quickly growing Hawaiian-born shop that serves up sustainably focused taro donuts. Holy Grail has a weekly rotating hyper-seasonal menu, which is local to Hawaii and now also Los Angeles, where they just opened their fifth and sixth locations. Hana, thank you so much for being here and congratulations on all the locations and success and everything that you guys are having with Holy Grail. This is very, very cool to hear about. Yay, thanks so much for having me. Of course. So you have your fifth and sixth locations in Los Angeles now, but you started in Hawaii. So let's go back to the very beginning. Were you born and raised in Hawaii or what is your story? Hawaiian born and raised or what's the deal there? I actually moved to Kauai about 12 years ago. I was born and raised in Oregon and I've always been in different facets of the food industry and design. I am I grew up in Oregon studying product design, kind of created a little fake, fakeish internship to get myself over to Kauai for a few months, <laughs> which ended up uh, fast tracking. Um, I fell in love with Kauai. I was studying um, natural dyeing for fabrics and product design. Oh, interesting. Which kind of led me to become fascinated with farming itself and Hawaiian agriculture. So through that, yeah, I ended up building all these amazing relationships with different um, exotic fruit farmers. And now we're working with um, those farmers at Holy Grail. But yeah, I I fell in love with that aspect, um, which ended up leading me to become a private chef. So 
I was very blessed with some amazing mentors um, that I ended up working with um, on Kauai, specializing in high farm-to-table cuisine. So incorporating like super hyper-local ingredients, rare exotic fruits and flowers, um, all grown on Kauai. So yeah, that kind of led me to my obsession with food and just the power it has to bring people and cultures together. Yeah. You know, using that to kind of tell a story. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a delight, kind of what you were doing over there. (laughs) Like you created that situation that, I mean, I don't blame you. That sounds like a lovely kind of like fun and really informative and like enriching learning experience. And it obviously led you to where you are. So that sounds very awesome. So you kind of found your love for food during that. Were you not really that interested at all before? Like, did you not grow up cooking or having any desire to do that? I've always been a, such a foodie, just every aspect of the food industry and building brands. And I've just been fascinated by it. I never thought I would be a private chef, but I just found my calling and I just fell madly in love with it. And yeah, I ended up also growing a lot of the food that I was um, serving. So that was really beautiful just to see the whole process kind of come together. Cool. And where is your family? Did you grow up with like a certain type of cuisine that was around you all the time? Or what is kind of your family background with, I guess, your nationality and the kind of food that you grew up eating? Yeah, I guess. I mean, we grew up in kind of like a little hippie town in Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we grew up going to the Very farmer's stereotypical. market. Yeah, grew up going to the farmer's market and just always kind of being in touch with where our food came from as a young child. So I guess, yeah, it's been like that from the start. Well, that's really cool because a lot of people, like I'm a 90s baby and like a lot of people I talk to my age, like grew up with kind of the opposite, like the very like hyper processed, like Americana food of the 90s. And, you know, it is, I feel like you kind of lucked out being from that like hippie town in Oregon where you were like having that appreciation for local food and farming and um, farmer's markets because that for most of us and people that I knew that like grew up not in such like, I guess, woke food communities, we were just eating trash, like all of like just absolute garbage, just like so much like dye and corn syrup and all that stuff. And now it became obviously in the last 10 or so years, super trendy. And, you know, kind of, we all had that awakening of like, oh, wow, like we should probably not be eating all these chemicals. We should be eating like real food. Um, Right. So I guess you kind of came out on top in the end, honestly. (laughs) I know. I think it's interesting. I think consumers now are valuing like higher integrity products, which is, which is a great sign for a sustainable future. But don't get me wrong. I would totally have sleepovers and sneak myself a powdered donut from Safeway (laughs) as a child. Yeah, not above it. Absolutely not above it. (laughs) Not above it. No judgment. No judgment. Uh Um, Nothing wrong with that. So you were kind of learning and growing and kind of getting your hands dirty, literally and figuratively with figuring out how to kind of do that in Hawaii. But when did you decide donuts? Like how did that all come about? Yeah. So I guess I was my my catering company was kind of taking off, but it was like just extremely hard labor. And I would have these calls with my brother once a week, check in. And he ended up starting a little donut delivery in his college town with his buddy. 
and it was kind of taking off. Like they were just kind of making like simple cake donuts and delivering them to college dorms at night. And I just kind of got us, eventually it just got us kind of thinking like uh, between both of what we're both working on, um, how donuts are like this perfect vessel to kind of connect people to ingredients. And like you're saying, like, Donuts are such a nostalgic food. Everyone knows everyone grew up eating a donut. You know, every region culture has a donut of some kind. So yeah, we were just thinking about Hawaii and we're thinking about using donut as a vessel just to connect people to the ingredients here, Grown Island, um, and do it in a completely different way. So it kind of clicked. We were like, this is our holy grail. Like we need to make this happen. (laughs) So there you go. It's all coming together. And how many years ago was that? That was in, I guess, we started talking about it in 2017. And in 2018, we took on a loan and bought a hamburger trailer. (laughs) My brother moved over to Kauai and we decided we were going to test this concept out like one day a week as a little pop-up to see how the community reacted. So we made hamburgers all week. (laughs) And then every Sunday morning at about 2, 3 a.m., we would transform this little red hamburger trailer into into the Holy Grail. So we move all our donut equipment, move all the burger equipment out, move all the donut equipment in and put up our menu that changed every week. And yeah, it it kind of just took off instantly. We ended up hiring DJs to play for our extremely long lines in the food truck parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) So it all, it became somewhat of like a Sunday ritual. It was a gathering place for the community um, based around a community-based donut using local ingredients. And yeah, the visiting tourists quickly caught on through word of mouth marketing, I guess. Yeah, we, we built some really amazing memories like around our product yeah. in Hanalei. That's amazing. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So basically, how how did you just like how did you come up with the recipe or the ability to kind of produce? donuts i mean like you know i i cook but i wouldn't know off the top of my head like hey this is how we make really good donuts and obviously you were doing them with taro so how did that like was it a pro- a testing process or how did you kind of get to the point to develop the actual product yeah so i guess it took us about six months 
and we're still tinkering with the product because it's everlasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it took us about six months to get our like core dough recipe down. We decided to do things the hard way. So we built we built our recipe from scratch. Um, we built our own complete donut supply chain. So we have to make our own dry mix, wet mix. We are sourcing um, the taro locally. And we reverse engineered our donut machine to work with coconut oil. So everything was kind of around the concept of like creating a donut that celebrated the place that we live. So yeah, it took us about six months. The coconut oil took us about a year to figure out. Um, I believe we're still the only donut shop um, to find organic coconut oil. Well, look at that. And so why taro? Why just because of like the nod to Hawaiian culture or you like that consistency better or what was like, I guess, the culinary reason behind using that as your, I don't know if it's the base or how how that works, but (laughs) how you got there. Yeah. Yeah. So the taro is the base of our donut. I guess we kind of were looking around doing a lot of research at just different donut concepts and I don't know if you've had like a potato donut in Maine. I don't think so. So they use, yeah, I think they use mashed potatoes and it's, it just kind of creates this delicious moist texture in the inside and more of like a savory base to add your toppings. Okay. And taro root is like a potato, but with superpowers. (laughs) It's like. Really? Yeah. It's really high in antioxidants. It's. It's a superfood, and Hanalei is, you know, one of the largest producers of taro in the world. So we were, we were sitting in Hanalei looking at the taro fields, and you know, things kind of clicked. Huh. So we use um, we use poi, which is a. So basically, our farmers will hand harvest the taro root, clean it, cook it, pound it lightly ferment it and then um, grind it into basically it's like a paste. It almost looks like dough itself. Yeah. So that's what we purchased and that's what we put into all of our dough. Cool. Well, that sounds fascinating. And you do the same thing in the Los Angeles locations as well? Yes. Okay, cool. And so that is, I guess, what are, I know we talked a little bit about the local elements of this how basically you know you use local flavors and ingredients from the area so what are some of those local flavors that you can see if you go to a holy grail location in hawaii and then versus what that looks like in los angeles yeah so all of our donuts are the taro base right in coconut mm-hmm. oil like that's our holy grail and then we change our menu every week. So every Thursday we roll out a new fresh menu based off of seasonality and whether we can get similar fruits in Hawaii and Los Angeles. So this has been a bit of a, we've had some growing pains with our menu, <laughs> but um, it seems to be working. So we have like some staple flavors that we continuously rotate. Um, and then we always throw in like a seasonal fruit or a seasonal flavor that's we can locate in both areas. Interesting. So what are some of the popular ones? Yeah. So our most popular is probably our reincarnated. And that's kind of like a reincarnation of a maple bacon. 
Ooh. This one is a real maple glaze with uh, smoked coconut and Hawaiian sea salt. So that one kind of takes it back to our roots, you know, using the local Hawaii sea salt, smoked coconuts. Yeah, people people go crazy over that flavor. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. <laughs> I haven't had a really good donut in a long time. I feel I feel like it's one of those like treats and, you know, there's it's it it they've had their moment where you know, kind of people realize like, oh, donuts are really fun and we could do a lot with them other than just being like glazed and powdered. And, you know, it kind of became a trendy thing. And like, for good reason, because that stuff is, it's so good. And now that we're talking about it, I'm really in the mood for one. So <laughs> you're kind of torturing <laughs> yes. me a little bit. But We got to get, get you over there. I know. My God. Yeah. I don't, I, I unfortunately don't spend enough time in Hawaii. I've only been once to Maui, but I, I mean, all of this sounds just so incredible. And so is your, obviously we talked about the maple bacon one a little bit. Are there other kind of like heavy hitters that people look forward to or that are your favorites or what are some of the other flavors that you guys have rolled out over the years? Yeah. I mean, we do some really interesting flavors where you might be like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the point. Uh, we like to just educate people about new interesting ingredients and also surprise and delight them with okay, this is on a donut. Right. I would say my personal favorite called the L&L. We do this one quite frequently during citrus season. So it is a Meyer lemon sugar rolled donut with Tahitian lime curd and citrus caviar. So oh the God. citrus caviar is like, um, I don't know if you've had like a finger lime. So it's, it's oh, grown in no, the I've seen topics. them. I've always wanted to try. Yeah, it's so delicious. It, it's it's just citrus, but it's tiny little, it looks like caviar and it mm -hmm. pops in your mouth like a pop rock. So it adds that element of beauty and freshness onto like our savory dough base. That's probably my favorite oh my donut. God, that sounds so good. <laughs> and you can't get finger limes everywhere. They're like very, I feel like rare, right? Yeah, they're super rare. We're still working with my friend Ollie on Kauai. So we actually had him ship ours to Los Angeles. He owns a rare exotic fruit farm on Kauai, one of our oh, first cool. partners. Very cool. Oh, my goodness. And then so you, ha where are the locations in Los Angeles? I'm not super familiar with Hawaii, but I do know Los Angeles somewhat well. So maybe I'll have a sense of where these places are. So where are they? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we just opened our first mainland location in Santa Monica on Main Street. Um, it's right next to Blue Bottle Coffee. Yeah. And then we're opening up in about a week and a half um, on Larchmont. Okay. Amazing. Wow, you guys are really doing it. And so what are kind of like the goals, like, or the plans looking forward? Is the idea to expand, you know, throughout the mainland? Or what are kind of the goals and aspirations there? Yeah, we were blessed early with um, some amazing partners to help us scale. We never thought we were you know, we were just trying to make some Sunday morning donuts and I guess the right people tried our donuts back in our original pop-up. So mm -hmm. we have some amazing investors that are helping us scale. So yeah, we'd love to continue expanding our mission and create more Holy Grails. Yeah. So I touched a little bit earlier on that mission and kind of, you know, creating donuts with, you know, local ingredients and whatnot and obviously you know as you continue to expand those that becomes very different depending on the location so what are the I guess how would you describe 
you know, pitch wise, you know, what those ideals are and what that, what that ethos is to people as you continue to like move around the country and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As far as that goes, we're with our weekly menu, we're doing the same flavors, but you know, we'll have a, if we have a strawberry, strawberry flavor, it would be California grown strawberries in California. Mm -hmm. It would be Maui grown strawberries for Hawaii. That's kind of an example of that. But yeah, our mission is to kind of radically shift the way you think about donuts, but also while still keeping the integrity of taste um, and joy that a donut brings. So we've kind of reverse engineered it in a way with better taste, cleaner ingredients, um, and transparency. Interesting. Kind of built our own supply chain from scratch and are also focused on you know, continuing the growth of Hawaiian agriculture um, by using the taro as our base. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, Hawaiian agriculture and all that is, uh, has a place in your heart. And, you know, for those of us on the mainland who don't know much about it or have only had the chance to visit Hawaii on a quick vacation or something like that, is that kind of an education factor that you hope to spread more awareness about? Because, I mean, this is, you know, the kind of the first time I'm, I'm really talking about Hawaiian agriculture with someone, it's not really something you think about over here, but it <laughs> does seem like a very interesting and important thing. So is that kind of part of your mission as well? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I guess it all started by thinking about honestly, like 85% of Hawaiian food is imported from the mainland. Really? Which is crazy to think about. Also, because Hawaii has the climate to grow just about anything, including taro, including chocolate. It's also the largest producer of taro in the state. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we want to we want to flip the script and we want to continue the growth of Hawaiian agriculture. That's crazy that so much of it is imported to there when they have the ability to grow so much. Yeah, it's so crazy to me. And if there was ever like a natural disaster or something, it's like, oh, uh oh. Yeah. The boats aren't coming in with the food. So it's just, yeah, any way we can be a part of that shift, we're going to do our best. Yeah. We're working on a concept now where every tasting box you buy will plant, plant one taro. So we're hoping to launch that this later this year. Awesome. And for people who don't know what taro is, I think we talked about it a little bit, that it's sort of like similar to a potato, right? Or that like, how would you describe it to people who don't really know what that is? Yeah, it's it's very similar to a potato, a sweet potato. It's like a tubular root vegetable. It has like different shades of purpley hues mm-hmm. to it. And yeah, it tastes kind of similar to a sweet potato, a little more savory, uh, less sweet. Huh. I think I've tried it in like as a froyo flavor, you know, things like that where it's or maybe like a dessert at a restaurant where there was like taro, whatever. Um, But I can't really think of the flavor. I can't like recall it. But the way you're describing it, I feel like I need to get some more taro in my life. (laughs) Yes, you do. Sounds delicious. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's it doesn't have it's somewhat of like a neutrally flavor, which is which is actually great for our donut. Base. Yeah. And do you have savory donuts? All our base is somewhat savory. So if uh-huh. you like really want to get in, you would try like our hot single donut, which is it's just our taro donut dipped in a neighborhood honey and flaky sea salt. So that would mm, probably yeah. be like 
a good entry level just to get a taste of like our actual dough itself. Oh my God, that sounds so good. All of the flavors you've described sound incredible. (laughs) And just because I'm very interested in these and because I really like them, can you tell me some of the other flavors that you've had? Because everything you've described has sound amazing. So now I'm just like torturing myself by hearing about them. But I guess hit me with a few more of uh, your flavors from past and present that are worth that are of note I guess yeah absolutely I guess I'm thinking this week we have one of my favorites the black sabbath that is a black sesame rolled donut with brulee apple banana so oh my god what does that really even mean <laughs> yeah we kind of creme brulee so apple bananas are grown in Hawaii they're just like a little bit sweeter so we don't have we don't have the apple banana in California, but yeah. we do have it here. Yeah, that one is just a little sa- I'm obviously like the little more savory, sweet kind yeah. of flavors. So that one is wildly popular. And we just actually we just launched a donut flavor with Tony Hawk, and that one is a Hawaiian vanilla bean glaze and burnt coconut caramel and flaky Ooh. sea salt. So incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> very, very jealous that I'm so far away. I'm in South Florida, so I like could not be farther from where <laughs> from these options. But one day I will get to try them. I'm manifesting that for myself. And I'm also manifesting that you continue to grow and expand throughout the states and, you know, even the world. And, you know, I'm just it's very cool and inspiring to hear and definitely making me very, very hungry. Um, so yeah, congrats on all the success and all of this and the way that this is all working out is like very cool um, and interesting to hear about. So thanks for telling me all about it. Yeah, thank you so much. We'll get you on one, one of these days. I know. Is there anything else important to add about your donut journey that I haven't asked you yet? I don't know. Yeah, I would just say we're, we're super blessed. We've had amazing support from our community and yeah, it keeps fueling us to I don't know, look for ways to continue to improve this concept. Love it. Well, it sounds great so far, but I guess, yeah, there's always, I'm sure you guys are perfectionists and really trying to come up with like the absolute best donut in the world. So I have full faith that you will get there, but I'm sure what you have now is incredible. So no shade at all, but I can tell just <laughs> in the way that you've described yourself and your brother that it's like you guys will probably never rest on <laughs> on the recipe. But yeah, everything yes. described with like the flavors and the combinations and the unique elements, like it's all just like I am dying for them. So one day, one day, but yes, I'll need to get my hands on some local donuts here soon so I don't lose my mind after talking about all this, but <laughs> it's yes. a blessing and a curse talking to you for this long about donuts. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Of course. And thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. All right. We'll, okay. we'll get you a donut soon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.